Jody Cook, I'm so excited to have you on. Welcome, welcome. Hey, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me. So Forbes recognized you as the top 30 under 30 for social entrepreneurs in Europe. You've written many books, including Stop Acting Like You're Going to Live Forever, which I can't preach that message enough. And your latest book, 10-Year Career, which we're going to discuss a lot of. But before we get to all that, I wanted to start with how I see you which is next level badass woman. We met in Croatia on a private island with 180 founders and you were up at, what was it, like 6 a.m. running around the island with your man before most of us had even gone to sleep yet. (laughs) Your level of discipline is like beyond commendable. What drives you? I think... A big part of it is the book title that you just read out, that stop acting like you're going to live forever mentality. I think that's a huge part of it. I think that's a big part of focusing on what I know I want to do and not acting like I'm going to live forever and trying not to do those little things that just get in the way but don't really add up to much. But it's so easy to listen to that little voice. It's like, get back in bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I know. It's so warm and comfortable in there. <laughs> how do you, how do you, what tells you not to? Like, how do you listen to the other voice? It's like, nope. Oh, I think that I, I definitely hear those voices. I hear that get back in bed voice. And I hear that, like, give up now voice. And I just don't listen to it I just I see it as the separate voice I see it as like the sabotaging side that just wants that comfy like easy just normal life and then I think no and then I try and go beyond it it doesn't always like I don't think I always manage to overpower it but it feels like training a muscle it feels like training any muscle the more you do it the better you get and then you just become disciplined and it doesn't feel like I don't feel like I'm a disciplined person right now I just feel like I do what I do and it doesn't feel hard now but I think it's because I've done it for so long it's just like this is just normal life now so things like training for example and and those mornings when I saw when we saw each other and there was lots of people who hadn't gone to bed yet and there was lots of people who would get well there was a few people who were getting up early but Actually, on a, on a side note, what I loved about that community is it didn't matter. Everyone was supportive of each other, no matter your schedule, no matter what you want to choose to do. It's all great. And we were I was running with my husband at 7 a.m. And people who hadn't gone to bed yet were cheering us on. And it was like, yes, like we're all happy. We're all doing our own thing. And it, and it really worked. But I actually found those mornings, it was easier for me to get up and go for that run than it was to stay in bed and not do the run. Hmm. Yeah. How come? I think I just would have felt not very good if I'd have stayed in bed. I think I just would have felt rubbish for the rest of the day. And then I'd have been like, oh, I wish I had just done it. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You go, you do it. You never once regret it. And then you've done it. you sorted. Whereas if you don't, you're like, oh, remember, I was that person. I thought I could be better. And I wasn't. And I didn't get it. And I'd be reminded of my failures all day. <laughs> well, I was one of those cheering you on. We saw you do like multiple raps. We're like, they're still going. <laughs> <laughs> one more lap, one more lap. I remember it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Amazing. That's really impressive. I, I love the way you phrased it, that um, it, it, you call that that side, that speaker in your voice, the saboteur, right? Like mm-hmm. 
that's that's the sabotage person and and really important to label it as that it's like nope you're you're trying to sabotage me and not to listen um wow powerful do you have any other uh discipline style tips or tricks that you you lean into one of the things that I try to really not do is multitask because I feel like if I'm writing a book or if I'm running a business or if I'm training, it wouldn't make any sense to be doing one of those things not all in. Like I can't, I couldn't be at the gym like checking my emails. I couldn't be in a meeting or like doing something important where I'm actually thinking about training. I try and just forget every aspect of my personality other than the one that I'm working on right there and then and then that helps give it 100% and then when you're done you're done you put it in a box you finish you don't think about it and I never have things like um I wouldn't like stay awake thinking about a work thing because I've done it I've put it I've shut the box it's over there now and I wouldn't let training thoughts creep into my head when I was writing because it's like it's happening later it's happening from 11am I'm not thinking about it before then so I really like guard those boundaries in between the different things I do with like really carefully. Really powerful. Yeah. Give yourself a, give a hundred percent and then you don't have to worry about it later. Like you've done a hundred percent. Beautiful. Thank you. Tell us about the training. The training. So I compete in powerlifting and that is the squat the bench press and the deadlift and competitions are super fun because you do each of those three lifts and you have three attempts at each discipline so it's normally between a three-hour competition or an eight-hour competition depending on how many people there are competing but training involves pretty much doing those three lifts and playing around with the like the kind of speed of them or where you put pauses in and I train weights six days a week and try and get better each time pretty much so you have your own weight category so I compete in the 57 kilo weight category class and I'm against other women of my weight but then there's also like a coefficient that means that you're kind of competing against everyone and there's like a score that you're given overall so it's all about trying to do the national competitions at the start of each year to then do well in those to get to then get selected for international competitions at the end of each year. But powerlifting is a cool sport because you're not really, even though you are against other people in competitions, when you're training, you're not against other people. It's just, it's you versus you, as cliche as that sounds. And um, it's especially for entrepreneurs or people who are just feel like they want to be driven all the time the fact that they are objective numbers and they are measures of how strong you are it keeps you going back to the gym and it, it can be really addictive to continue with brag a little bit what are your goals in each category how much can you lift please <laughs> um, so my, uh, I can squat 145 kilos which is about 310 pounds Holy and then shit. <laughs> my, dead, my deadlift is my best lift and so that's 185 kilos which is about 410 pounds something like that what so yeah it's um yeah you just you start with the bar then you put more on it and then you keep going and then you try and overcome all the stuff that's going on your head when you're lifting to just lift more and more and believe that you can do it and that's the trick just believe you can I think so. I think so. Yeah. I, I guess there are more tricks, but, um, but so much of it is believing that you can do it. And you'll see someone 
fail a lifting competition that they have done hundreds of times in the gym because the pressure gets to them and because they just they can't handle the, whatever's going on in their head but really if you kind of master your mind with it you can you can lift so much more wow what's going on in your mind when I'm lifting, I try and think of different mantras and they change all the time. And sometimes, sometimes it's just about like, you can do this or you've got this and just those kind of simple ones. And then sometimes I try and remind myself of the bigger, the bigger goals, like the, the overall score that you want to get and how, if you do that, if you do this now, you're on the right lines to getting there. And there's, there's loads of little mantras I'll just say to myself before before every lift I find that with the squat and the bench press because you kind of feel the weight in your hands before it goes down and then it's your job to get it back up the head games matter I don't know if they matter more or less but they're different so if I unrack a squat and if I unrack a bench press I'll kind of go yes as soon as I have it in my hands because I want to start off in this like confident way that makes me believe I can get it back up but in a deadlift you don't get any sense of what the weight is before you lift it off the floor so you have to do all the hype without really knowing what you're lifting so I try and pretend that the weight on the floor is super heavy. Like, so in my head, I'm like, this is 200 kilos, this is 200 kilos, no matter what it is, even if it's my warm up weight. So then you kind of walk over to it and then you're just as like pumped for it as if it was something you've never lifted before. And then when you're actually doing like 70 kilos in a warm up, you pull it like it's 200 kilos and then you get all this confidence because it goes so fast. And then you're like, huh, maybe I can do 200 kilos. So it all works, it all kind of stems from how you frame it in your head. Wow. I love that. You're combining vision, right? You have, you have a very clear vision of your goal. And so that's a driver for you. But then um, almost like, it, it's like lying to yourself in a way that it's like more than what you think. And then you're like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's lying to yourself. It really is. Like you, all the tricks that you, all the tricks that you can get involved do it because they work I remember trying once this we did this blind squat test and it was probably a really bad idea but me and my best friend went to try it so we got like bin bags like trash bags and got our husbands to put them over the weights so we couldn't tell what we were lifting and then got them to load it up in like little increments and then squatted the weight without actually knowing what was on the bar and like I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for anyone at home because it's quite confusing but you your mind can play tricks on you and so you have to you have to get good at imagining it's heavy but lifting it the same as you would as if it was light so yeah it's it's a whole minefield, but it's a good thing to get good at. How does this apply to your business? How do you use the same mindset in, in, in maybe your, you had a social marketing agency, right? Yeah. The one thing that sticks out is that in powerlifting, if you make mistakes in training, they are going to show up in competitions. So it's, it's not really okay to always not squat to depth or not lift in the competition standard way because you can't just expect that when you show up on the platform and when it really matters and when the refs are looking you're going to just suddenly do it right because you're not you're going to do it how you train to do it and I kind of think that in business as well um when I had my social media agency with my team we had this 
thing that we used to say, like imagine there's a client in the room at all times, because if you're like, imagine if someone comes to see you, they're going to turn into a client and then they leave the room and you're suddenly like bitching about them. I said, Oh, that'll never work. And all that. I think they can feel that energy. And I think that they know. And so it was like, let's just be us all the time and imagine that everyone was here watching and let's just show up and be consistent all the time. So that's probably the biggest similarity for me between the two. Beautiful. Beautiful. Do you also work with vision and and helping your clients see their vision? Yeah, we did do. Yeah, definitely. They'd they'd come into the office or we'd get on a chat with them and then they'd tell us all the exciting things that they wanted to make happen in their business. And then we would do our best to feel their vision as well, help them and then help them get to wherever it was they wanted to go. And what, what I found interesting was that people used to come see us and I thought before that companies with really exciting businesses would be really exciting people and companies with really dull businesses, like, I don't know, an insurance firm or something, (laughs) they'd be really dull people, but it's not actually the case. You could have, you could have someone with this bouncy castle business, which seems quite exciting, but if they don't really care, then that will seem like a dull business. Whereas if someone who runs an insurance company really, really wants to help people, then you kind of feed, like you feel their energy and then you do it as well. And then you're like, yes, we can get behind you and we can help you with this. And then, and then it works out and they become a client and then we did help them. I love that. You're reminding me of the uh, wildest one on the island in Croatia was an accountant. And I was like, how are you an accountant? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Personality and, and your energy that you bring to something is really the the vibrancy. It's like the, the life force, right? That, yeah. that pumps the blood through a business and, and makes it fun, exciting, alive, and probably more successful, I would assume. Yeah. Because it's, re- it's pretty remarkable, I think. Like if someone can make insurance and accountancy really exciting they're the ones you remember because they're the ones where you're like whoa they've seen something here they've got something going on like I want to join up with them I believe them yeah yeah tell us about your book so the latest one 10-year career 10-year career I wrote that when I was waiting for the sale of my agency to go through because it took about I think it's about six weeks of paperwork after we'd signed the final heads of terms and I felt so impatient because by that time I knew I was ready to go I knew that we had the right deal and I just wanted it to happen (laughs) and I felt like I didn't want to put all my impatient energy onto the buyer and onto the lawyers because if you've ever tried to hurry up lawyers it does it doesn't work (laughs) and there's no point and you can just send yourself crazy trying so I wrote a book so I decided to look back over the last 10 years and I thought what have I learn on this journey that I can that what what did I wish I knew at the start Mm. what's the book I would have loved to have had in my hands at the start that's like this is your guide to the future this is how to build a business that you can sell in 10 years and then and then never have to work again so I kind of created that into existence and then put a framework into it and wrote in all the stories and all the examples and tried to help the the future kind of entrepreneurs who want to do the same wow can you share some of the tips yeah, sure. So a lot of the um, a lot of the kind of teachings in the book all start with how we are led down different paths without us realizing, and they are not really conducive to a ten year career. They're just conducive to this long 
conveyor belt career that starts when we leave college and end when we're in our 60s or 70s right. and so it, it can be as easy as things like um if you go to a restaurant or a, or a coffee shop and you look at the menu like that menu has been designed to lead you in a certain way like mm. there's no you might notice that for example there's no currency symbols on a, on a menu because if you have a if you see a currency symbol you associate it with money so you on you you spend less but if oh. you don't have currency symbols you don't think it's money you just think oh it's a number like yeah sure I'll buy my eggs on toast for number six that's fine <laughs> and also you don't put de- so you don't put decimal places on a really good menu because that looks like money you don't line them up because then they're easy to compare and if you're going to buy if you're going to sell wine as a restaurant you make the wine with the biggest profit margin the second cheapest wine on the menu because no one wants to get the one that's the cheapest because they'll look stingy so they want to get the next one up so you put your biggest margin on that and all these tiny little decisions that I first realized when I worked in a restaurant and we had this cd that we had to put on during service and it was called music to make customers buy like b-u-y right and I was absolutely fascinated that listening to music could make you purchase more while you're on an evening out and so when I started digging into menu psychology for example that's when I learned all these different tricks and tips that restaurants use and I was like who else is doing this and it's not just restaurants it's schools it's universities it's like everyone's planning stuff in a certain way to lead you down a certain path and then it means that we all follow these different ways we all do the same things we don't want to stand out we don't want to do our own thing and it just leads to these stagnant careers where we don't really actually achieve what we want so I was like we need to notice everything that's going on around us so that we can just do things our way and not just the normal way Mm, I love that. I only knew that about casinos. They put like yes. really busy floors and they pump in oxygen and there's no clocks on the wall. So yeah, you can't tell. no windows. <laughs> yeah, windows. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know they did this with all sorts of other things. That's so fascinating. Yeah, psychology. A human brain so then, can be guided like a like cattle down a... <laughs> right? I mean... Yeah, that is it. It's like, it is like cattle. It's like being herded. I find school the most fascinating one to dig into because if you actually explained schooling to someone who didn't know what it was and you said, okay, well, you need to wait in line, you need to sit in rows, you need to move to the sound of a bell. So when that bell goes off, even if you are so engrossed in something and so interested in it that you want to keep doing it, it doesn't matter. That bell's gone. You need to move and you need to go somewhere else. Right. And then you're going to learn what's on this diff- this syllabus, this curriculum. And you're going to learn exactly that because then you're going to be assessed on it and you know exactly what's going to be on the paper and you need to remember this knowledge. You need to put it on this paper. You need to do the minimum required to get this A grade and then you need to forget it all. You'd be like, what? what? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. How is this preparing anyone for the future? So yeah, so yeah the, a, lot of, um, a lot of the start of the book goes into these different ways that we are led and how we can be better at thinking for ourselves and working out what we want Mm. and then there's a 10-year career framework that I find see I found super useful and also readers are finding super useful and it's a four-stage framework that goes execute systemize scrutinize and exit and the idea is that in order to have a 10-year career on your terms you follow these stages in order each one's got 
like a five-step success plan. Each one's got pitfalls to avoid. Each one's got how you progress to the next. And it's designed to be this helpful toolkit for business owners to help them progress. Wow, fantastic. I'm so excited. I can't wait to read this book. I haven't read it yet. I would love to. It sounds amazing. Um, So I'm assuming it's on Amazon. It's uh, ready to be consumed. Yes. Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon. It is Kindle paperback. It's also audio book. Yay, we get to hear your voice. Did you read it? <laughs> I did, yeah. Yes. I read it. That was yeah, that was tough, but yep, it's there. It's an audio book, it's out. <laughs> Why was it tough? <laughs> because you um it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to. And then you have to remember how you've delivered everything and you have to make sure that you're not doing some parts of it really excitedly and then some parts of it just really slow and methodical and in a different type of voice. So yeah, it was, um, and actually when I got to the recording studio, it was super dark in there. And I think maybe it's come from training, but you perform a lot better in very well lit rooms when you're training, especially and when, when I first started recording, I could just feel myself like falling to sleep. And I was like, hang on, this isn't good. So I got oh. them to put like 10 lights in there and we had it super bright. And then it was, and then it was all good after that. Nice. Nice. Uh, it sounds like you've blended a little bit of the stop acting like you're going to live forever. Is, 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 is there messages overlapping in them or is it a wildly different book? There's definitely messages overlapping. I think the main thing that, is consistent between the two is this concept of running a business without it running you and one um story that I've just thought of that's in the book is my friend Richard who I was talking to you one day about why he wasn't going to the gym because he felt guilty I didn't I didn't ask him he kind of confessed that he couldn't find time for it he wasn't really doing it and he wasn't really happy with his health at the moment and so Richard felt like he couldn't go to the gym because he had a 90 minute commute into the center of London to run his, to, to go to work. Um, he was, he was stressed out. He was working late. He was doing all this stuff. He kind of chatted to his team members over lunch and like, you know, in the, in the cafeteria and then he'd go home. He'd not really fit stuff in. He'd, he'd kind of feel like he wasn't really getting much done. And then he'd come home, he'd be too tired to do anything else. And so he'd just clap on the sofa and then he'd do it all again. And this all sounds like completely normal until you realize that Richard runs the business. He owns the business. He's in charge of his own life. And he's not, he's not acting like he's in charge of his own life. And um, I think we forget. I think we really, we really easily forget that we don't have to act like we've got jobs and we're working for the worst boss in the world. We can actually design our lives and design our businesses as well so both books are sort of a reminder that we chose this we're in control of this it's okay to run your day and your week and your year how you want to run it I love that message it's so important I actually was speaking with a man yesterday's a, a new friend and asking him what he does and and he was getting an engineering degree and I said oh do you love engineering he goes well it pays the bills and I was like oh, okay, um, why wouldn't you do something else then? He's like, well, what else would I do? Uh, You know, fill cement holes in in construction, like move bricks. And I'm like, those are your two choices in life? Like, why, how, how do I, I don't know. I've always been so passion driven. Like I have to do things that I am passionate about, that my heart is in it, that it makes me sing. Like 
not literally, but <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. You know, it, it's so that was just always innate in me. Um, mm-hmm. But I, maybe if you're born and raised not being taught that we have the freedom to choose, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's such a funny place to be, believing that there are only two options. It's like it's a very scarcity-driven mindset, and I feel like if he just zoomed out or just changed his location for a second and like spoke to someone else and you wouldn't have to think very hard to come up with one more option and then one more after that when I was younger I got on a graduate scheme out of university and I was assigned a business coach and I was like 21 and I didn't know what I didn't really know what a business coach did or anything but this one was amazing I feel really lucky that she was assigned to me And one of the exercises she used to do was this like spider diagram thing where I'd have this challenge that I was trying to solve. And then she'd say, okay, so what could you do? And then we'd write down one option. And then she'd say, okay, so what else could you do? And I'd come up with another option. And then she'd go, okay, what else? And I'd keep going. And if, and once I got to six options or something, she'd be like, what else? And I'd be like, there isn't anything else. She's like, there is more. And she just wouldn't, <laughs> she wouldn't let me, let me stop. She would, she'd be like, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you just, you feel like you cannot possibly like muster anything else from inside your head, you can just think, just sit with it. And she'd never fill the silences. She'd just wait there patiently until I came up with something else. And it was powerful because it's really easy to think of the first six or seven, but to get eight, nine and 10, you have to just be okay to sit with this really uncomfortable feeling. And she just made me do it until I didn't want to, but I'm so grateful that I've had that exercise. Beautiful. Really powerful. Yeah. Why is discipline not necessarily taught in that way or, or creativity or the act of, of allowing yourself. Uh, I think it's an honoring, uh, really giving space for the brain and the, the spirit to create and come through with alternative options. Like we are kind of, again, back to the cattled uh, metaphor, but like it, it's, it's like, follow this, follow this paradigm, follow this um, track and you're good. Just yeah. stay in line. You know, don't think outside of the box in a way. Do you think it's because other people want to solve our problems for us? And maybe when we grow up, often parents don't want to see someone kind of struggle to get to an answer. They So they fill the silences, the silences that would have been for thinking and for really assessing what do I want to do. It's just, oh, you could do this, oh, you could do that. And then you don't really get a chance to think for yourself. Yeah, that makes sense. I read once in an article that calling your kids smart, like, oh, you're such a smart boy, is actually destructive for their long-term desire to um, uh, put effort in. So if they get to a challenge that seems like that would then be too difficult and and challenge their smartness, right? They, Mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. They don't even try. They stop trying because they've never been praised for effort. They've only been praised for, ooh, result, smart. Yeah, okay. It's so interesting, the label, just the labels that you give people. Because it's similar with if you call someone clumsy, then they'll <laughs> act more clumsy. More clumsy. <laughs> they start to relate to that feeling and then that's what they have growing up. I remember once um, 
when I was, I think I was going on stage for something, some kind of school performance or something. And I was talking to my mom about nerves and she was like, no, it's butterflies. It's adrenaline. It's all really good. It's like, it's going to help you. And because she completely reframed that situation, I just didn't, I wasn't scared of it anymore. Cause all of a sudden it was like, no, 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 that's meant to happen. It's really good. And then it's like, okay. So yeah, you can, it is powerful how you frame things. Yeah. That seems to be the overarching message of this podcast is using your brain to work for you, right? And, and yeah. If you have to lie to yourself, you got to lie to yourself, whatever you got to do, <laughs> right? Yeah. To use it in, in a productive way that supports your growth and, and your uh, accomplishments of your mission and your vision. Yeah, I believe that so many problems can just be framed in a different way. And then the ultimate reframing is stop acting like you're going to live forever. Cause I find that, you know, the memento Mori and constantly remembering that one day we're all going to die. That always reminds me just to focus on the bigger picture, stop sweating the small stuff and just, and be, just be happy because you can, you can kind of just choose to be happy and you can choose to just not worry about the things that you think are a really big deal that actually probably aren't once you contemplate mortality alongside them. Yeah. Wow. There's, there's a nice comparison. Well, I could be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's all, it's all fine. <laughs> well, uh, well, tell me another message you, you uh, shared in that book. Stop acting like you're going to live forever. Why did you write that? Let me tell it first. Let's start there. So the book came about because I started writing articles that were meant to be advice to a former version of me. And then at the same time, I managed to get a contributor slot with Forbes. So I started turning the articles into different articles that were on Forbes for entrepreneurs. And one of the ones I wrote was called How to Stop Caring About What Everyone Else Thinks. And it was one of my most popular articles at the time. It was like six ways to reframe that in your head as well. And I got a message through my website from a dad of two who said, have you got a printed version of this article? Because I want my daughters, my two teenage daughters, they need to see this all the time. They need to remember that they need to stop caring about what everyone else thinks. And that's when I thought, well, I don't have a printed version of it, but I should have a printed version of it. And then I put a bunch of the different most powerful articles together and put them into a book that was called Stop Acting Like You're Going to Live Forever because that was another article that, that, that was another popular one. And so that was the book and then since then there's a volume two of it as well and they they both come with guided journals with different questions so that people can come up with their own different ways of solving their problems but they're all all the different messages are around running your business without it running you how to stop caring about what, what everyone else thinks and also how to how to thrive in a crisis, I would say, is another key message, which was super useful during like March 2020 when like everything went a bit strange. And I guess reframing that as well. So you can actually make something out of what seems like a really bad situation at first. Mm. Wow. I love that. I'm glad I asked for the backstory. That's brilliant. Uh, did you end up giving a copy to the father? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like thank you so much for the idea and then yeah yeah I find that I feel that is like a magical thing the more you show up the more you just have these things that arrive into your inbox and you don't know where they've come from 
and you don't really know why or what you've done to attract them, but it, it just happens. And I, it's like, that's my main metric for if I'm on the right lines, the more the volume of things that come through my inbox, which are just quite cool messages or quite cool opportunities. Hmm. I have a, a system of asking for guidance. And so, mm-hmm. and then I specifically look for the text messages or the emails or the things that then show up because I've asked for, okay, show me the way, show me what needs to come through me. How am I supposed to be of service? And then I just literally wait for the answers. Yeah. <laughs> they come. And, they come. and you find that it, it happens as well. Always, same day, right away. I mean, sometimes within minutes, I'll get a phone call. Hey, yeah. I thought of this. Like random. Yeah, my angels are, are very very powerful and I'm grateful for them. Uh, I also, I am a strong advocate for clearing the channel. So I eat very well. I take the toxicity out of my environment, out of my food, out of my mind as much as possible. So I, I become a very clear channel to, to feel and, and see and, and hear the messages that want to come through. Nice. When I hear stop acting like you're going to live forever, my free spirited thought is, um, looks back at my life and, and, feels that I did that. I, I, I've moved almost every year and a half of my whole life. I've um, been a bit of a gypsy, but I've always just followed the calling and followed my bliss and, and done what lights me up. So for me, that, that title is like, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but um, I think most, most people, like you were saying earlier, are, are a little bit more um, burdened by society's pressures of, you know, either marriage and babies or, or career for 30 years or security and safety and whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. Um, so I really appreciate you writing that book. I can't wait to read that one too. <laughs> um, I, so one of my favorite questions, this will be, towards the end here but um one of my favorite questions to ask my guests is if little jody was sitting next to you right now what would you say to her oh my god <laughs> what would i say to her <laughs> i would i think i would i would probably tell her to be patient i think um i heard the other day a good friend was talking about how your biggest strengths can also be your biggest weaknesses when they're taken too far and I feel like impatience can be one of my biggest strengths because it means I get a lot of stuff done but when it gets taken too far it turns into restlessness and unreasonable demands on yourself and other people and so I would probably say that to her, like, it's okay. Like it's, it's going to happen. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to be a pusher. You can just chill a little bit. I remember when I was at, when I was at university or college, it was like three years where the whole time I felt like I'm in limbo. This isn't real life. I'm like waiting for real life to start. And that's really strange because another way of reframing that could have just been yeah, it's three years, but you can just chill out, make the most of it. And it's okay. Cause real life is going to start like that time will come. It's going to get there. But I feel like I spent the whole time being impatient and being like, when can I start my business? Wow. Driven at a young age, huh? Yeah. But too impatient. So I probably would have, yeah, that's definitely the advice that I'd give her. I wonder if um, you were impatient because you knew so much was going to come out of you. You knew how much you had to offer. Maybe. Who knows? You know, like maybe there's some like burning desire there because you knew. Yeah, I think so. But then maybe I don't think I knew consciously. So it just was like a <laughs> annoyance thing. Yeah. 
I hear you, but I, I think maybe, I don't know. That's what I'm hearing anyway. Uh, maybe you, you actually were wiser than you realized, and it was like this next three years were not a, maybe not of your highest service. Like you could have you yeah, jumped yeah. right into it. You were ready. Yes, maybe it was. A, yeah, maybe it was some kind of test as well. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness, Jody! Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for writing these incredible books. Make sure you guys check these out. I will put them all in the show notes so you can find everything and and contact Jody. You also have some programs. Do you want to share about those real quick? Do you have any programs yes, online? For- yes, I do. <laughs> I have, I have. So jodycook.com forward slash classes. I've got. I've I've got a course called What Are You Capable Of? And there's also a bunch of ones on Skillshare. But yeah, most of of what I know is in 10-year career, which is the book that's out now. Okay, awesome. Get that, you guys. Make sure you get that. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, Jody, for sharing all your wisdom. Really appreciate you. And it was an honor to meet you in Croatia. I'm so happy we connected there. And I hope to see you again really soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in.